I think we're going to have to see what the trends show. I mean, as you're very well aware, I know that you uh, put it onto your uh, newscast that uh, last week, anyway, there was a, a significant drop in the number of cases, at least as reported by uh, Summit County uh, Public Health uh, per 100,000 population, which is a good metric uh, that we follow. Uh, and we certainly hope that that's going to be a trend. Now, that was the first week we, we have seen that in, you know, a, a couple months. And so I'll be very anxious to see what happens uh, towards the end of this week to see uh, if that uh, continues, because that's going to be very important, because one of the concerns we have now as we're following these variants uh, is that there's a steady increase in one of these variants called B4, B5, uh, <clears throat> of which we're somewhat concerned because this may escape uh, some of the immunity from uh, prior infections uh, or uh, prior vaccine. But I still want to uh, stress to all our listeners that still, if you've had your vaccine and if you're up to date on, on your vaccines, while you still may get uh, a mild infection, that's what we're pri primarily seeing now is mild cold-like uh, symptoms in those patients who have had some degree of immunity. But if you had uh, your vaccine and you're uh, up to date, uh, it really protects you, again, from coming into the hospital. So we're seeing some patients in the hospital, but it's not anything like what we saw back in January. So I think uh, to answer your question, let's wait a week or, see, uh, or two to see what's happening, because I am concerned that we are seeing from week to week an increase in the proportion of the, of the variant that is referred to as B4 uh, and B5, and then uh, as time goes on, we'll know more. And I suspect that this will, these variants will become the predominant strain, and we'll have to see if that does uh, cause an increase in in cases. But we'll hope that uh, you know there's enough of the immunity in the population because you know 70% of the um, population, or at least maybe in some county, maybe it's more like two thirds of the population have had some degree of immunity from vaccine, or at least. And, and uh, many more patients have had natural infection. So I really think that about 80, 90% have some type of immunity that I hope will uh, at least reduce the uh, severity of infection that occurs. Tom, and that's where that false security, at least I thought of with this BA4 and BA5, because these strains of COVID-19 have shown some ability to avoid the antibodies. Why don't you take us into the lab a little bit and address that? Well, yeah, that's a concern. It seems like it, it, when we get all these newer variants, I mean, as you know, um, you know, we had the Delta back uh, late summer last year that was more contagious than the Omicron, which is more contagious and more transmissible than all these different versions of, of the Omicron. Uh, and they all seem, as these versions occur because of mutations, uh, they all seem to be more transmissible more contagious than the, the prior variants. The real concern is, uh, is it going to be associated with more serious infection? And in general, we see that it's not. And, and the data of concerning BA4 and BA5 is somewhat mixed uh, because there was a, a report uh, last month or at least in the last couple of weeks uh, out of Japan suggesting that this version, that BA4 and BA5, has a greater predilection to uh, infect the lungs of patients, whereas the other Omicron variants was primarily limited to the upper respiratory tract, and that was good. Um, on the other hand, however, if we look at um, the experience in other countries that have had more experience with the uh, BA4 and the BA5, such as South Africa, such as uh, Portugal, does not appear that, at least in those countries, uh, the predominance uh, of the B 
BA4 and BA5 has led to increased severity. So I hope that's going to continue as well. But I think a lot of it, again, is what I just mentioned, uh, the fact that a, a large population has some degree of immunity. It may not be enough to protect against mild infection, but it certainly seems to be effective against uh, protecting a serious infection and coming to the hospital. I mean, <clears throat> even though we, we're seeing these uh, variants emerge, I mean, if you look at our hospitalization rate, it's much, much less than it was back in uh, January when we would have up to 230 patients in the hospital because of COVID. I mean, yesterday we were uh, at 33, which is a, a sort of a gradual increase over the last uh, two months, but it's nothing like what we had back in January. With us is Dr. Thomas File, doctor of infectious disease at Suma Health System. And I'm glad you mentioned January. Of course, January is the dead of winter, right? And we have these high heat advisories going on right now and numbers are going down. Are the, is there any correlation, uh, Tom, between the temperature? Because in past times, and I remember when COVID-19 first started, we were hoping that come summertime, that this virus would be beaten down by the heat. Is there any connection with COVID-19 with colder temperatures compared to warmer temperatures where the heat could beat down the virus? Is there any connection there? Well, that's a good question, and I'm really not a virologist reps to uh, answer that specifically. I do know that when we were talking about the initial Wuhan strain, uh, you know, two years ago, actually, it was apparent that uh, the virus uh, seemed to propagate better in um, low humidity and lower temperature, uh, <clears throat> and that, uh, you know, with the higher temperature and higher humidity, uh, it probably wasn't as good for the virus. I really don't know if that's the case uh, for these new variants, but I think, you know, with uh, summer months, you're more um, probably related to the fact that you're not in indoors as much, uh, although I guess we are going to be <laughs> the next couple of days because of uh, the need for uh, air conditioning. Uh, so I think it's more related to the congregate nature of uh, spread from person to person uh, than uh, the general um, sort of temperature in the uh, environment. But we do know, as I said earlier, that the original strains did seem to do well when there was less immunity and less temperature. With us is Dr. Thomas File, doctor of infectious disease, Summa Health System. Tom, let's talk a little bit about the vaccine for five and under. A lot of parents are wondering what type of vaccine they'll eventually get for these five and under. Can you go down that road for me? Well, that's a very good question because we're going to have a, uh, more answers, I think, uh, after today because today, the advisory committee from uh, the uh, FDA referred to as the Vaccine and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee. It's a big name, but this is the advi independent advisory committee that's going to be evaluating the data from both the Moderna and uh, Pfizer uh, for uh, considering authorization eventually for uh, under age five uh, children. Uh, Pfizer would be a three-shot uh, series, uh, Moderna a two-shot uh, series. And so uh, this will be something that will be evaluated today. I really anticipate, uh, Ray, that the advisory committee will recommend that it be uh, authorized. Then the FDA would have to go ahead and authorize it. Then it goes through a CDC committee, an advisory committee on immunization practices. So it's got to go through several hoops. Uh, but I think it, uh, I would anticipate that it would do that because the, the CDC committee is going to meet next week, or at least the end of this week, I guess, starting on the 17th. And so by next week, we may have a full authorization for that. Uh, and so that would be available um, 
for uh, children uh, under the age of uh, five. Um, the numbers of cases in that group uh, only represent maybe three to five percent uh, of the cases, but every time we can reduce the number of cases, it, it can be helpful. Yeah, and, and down that road, Tom, and you can jump in here and expand on it, if you can keep the virus away from anyone, it really helps defeat the virus from spreading to those immunocompromised or elderly and so on and so on. Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, when we look at the, you know, I mentioned that we have 33 patients in the hospital as of yesterday. Well, two-thirds of theirs are unvaccinated. So clearly still to get vaccinated is going to be helpful to protect yourself from getting uh, a serious disease. But the, the one-third that have been vaccinated, number one, most of them are not up to date. They haven't had their boosters uh, or they have significant underlying condition or are much more vulnerable. And so that's the, uh, the population we still have to protect. So that's this concept of herd immunity. More and more of us that are vaccinated have some degree of immunity are going to protect those uh, who are at higher risk. 